Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. And religiously, the truth is defined by God's Word, the Bible. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So God's Word defines for us religious truth. So when somebody teaches something different than what God's Word says, they're not teaching the truth. And we know also from John eight thirty two that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So only the truth will make us free from sin. False religious teaching won't get it done. Religious error will cause us to be lost, not cause us to be saved. Yet all these different preachers and churches teach different things. Two plus two can't equal four and five at the same time. When somebody teaches something different than what the Bible says, then it's different than the truth. And they're, by definition, a false teacher because they're teaching something false. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 reads, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in condemnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Here we have false prophets, false teachers mentioned. And because of these false teachers, what they teach they're going to bring swift destruction, spiritual destruction upon themselves and those that follow their teaching. The way you'd think most preachers preach, there's no such thing as a false prophet or a false teacher because you can just believe and teach anything contradictory and you're still okay. One church can teach that you got to immerse for baptism. Another church can teach, know that sprinkling will suffice. And everybody just says they're both right. <laughs> How can that be so? The fact that the Bible talks about there being false teachers means that if somebody teaches something that's false, it's wrong. And both those positions can't be true. It can't both be true if one church is teach, teaches that women should not preach from the pulpit, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35, and another church allows it. Everybody can't be right. 2 plus 2 cannot equal 4 and 5 at the same time by definition. And it's the same way with the Bible as it is in mathematics. You can't teach contrary doctrines and both doctrines be correct. So we've talk, been talking about false teachers the last two or three weeks. If you have a Bible question or comment, the announcer said you can call 877-655-6755. Again, if you have any Bible question or comment, give us a call. The, the lines are wide open right now. 877-655-6755. As I said, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about false teachers. And here's an example of a false teacher that I hope most of my radio audience will agree with, that they're teaching something that's false. A false teacher is a person who goes along with homosexuality or gay marriage. If a preacher, Bible teacher, whoever it is, says it's okay, it's not sinful to be gay, then they're a false teacher. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together... Let not man put asunder. Jesus is here is referring back to the institution of marriage, the first marriage. 
And he says that God made them male and female. So, as the cutesy little saying goes, which presents truth, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. The Bible disapproves of homosexuality. But, a lot of churches, a lot of preachers are now saying it's okay. For example, here's a quote from Time Magazine, March the 18th, 2015. It says, the Presbyterian Church made an historic decision to formally recognize gay marriage and allow same-sex couples to marry in its congregations. The denomination voted to redefine the church constitutional marriage to include a commitment between two people. Well, <laughs> they're redefining, supposedly, the definition of marriage. They're saying now it's a commitment between two people. What do you think the definition used to be? Well, the Bible definition of a scriptural marriage is a commitment between a male and a female. But the Presbyterian Church, for some reason... They think they have a right to change the definition of marriage, even though God is originally the one who defined marriage way back in the Garden of Eden. Now the Presbyterian Church is going to formally recognize gay marriage and allow same-sex couples to marry in its congregations. Isn't this an example of a false teacher? What is a false teacher? Somebody who teaches false religiously. Aren't they teaching something that's false? They're saying it's okay to be gay. They're going to allow gay marriage. They've changed the definition, God's definition of marriage from a commitment between a male and a female to a commitment between two people, any two people, so that two women can marry each other, two men can marry each other. They're false teachers. What about the Episcopal Church? Birmingham News, August 6, 2003. The Episcopal Church approved its first openly gay bishop, the Reverend Gene Robinson. Robinson replied, we have many times departed from Scripture. Robinson cited the examples of ordaining women priests and accepting divorce in the church's departures. He went on to say, just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. So, wouldn't the Episcopal Church, isn't that false teaching, to say, well, we've been allowing women preachers and divorce in the church, even though they're departures from the Bible, so I guess it's okay to allow homosexuality, even though it's a departure from the Bible. They're admitting they're not following the Scriptures anymore. They're saying, quote, just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. That's exactly what makes it wrong. Whether or not it's according to Scripture or a departure from Scripture. This Episcopal Church is a false teacher because they teach something that's false. False according to the Bible. Remember, John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So the Bible, God's word, defines for us truth. And the Presbyterian Church and the Episcopal Church are teaching something different than what the Bible says, different than the truth. Therefore, what they're teaching is false, a false teacher. Paul from Nebraska, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I'm just asking about what the Bible says about cremation. Uh, I've been told by a couple of Baptist preachers that the Bible doesn't say one way or the other. It's well, something that the Israelites uh, did not want to follow the pagan practice, so they did not cremate their their dead. But the Bible doesn't actually say anything about one way or the other. So I'm trying to get this settled in my mind. Well, I'm trying to uh, find a place where 
Saul died, and I believe it's in, uh, I'll have to find that place, but it says after Saul died, that they burned his body. Okay? Okay. And, uh, I'll have to find that for you. Um, hold on a minute. Maybe I can find that. I was looking at it this morning, but I, I can't find it right off the bat. Um, but it did say they burned his body. Um, okay. And I'll find that in a little while. Um, how about let's look at First uh, Samuel 31. Okay. Well, is that the only question you had about yes, cremation? My daughter and I are just, yes. So the Bible teaches that it doesn't make any difference. Uh, doesn't make any difference what you do with the body after it's dead. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead also. So once the spirit leaves the body, the body is just a, 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 a big, dead hunk of flesh. And so, so it wouldn't make any difference what you did with the body. Okay? Okay. Well, Wait a minute. Here it is. I found it. It's at the very last part in 1 Samuel 31. I'm took it, sorry it took me so long. Saul has died earlier in the chapter, 1 Samuel 31. It says, All the valiant men arose and went all night, took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. So, you could say they were cremated. They were burned, and then their bones, what was left after they were cremated, was buried under a tree. And so, I just, unless somebody could prove me wrong, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it's making the body so important that uh, it needs to be preserved. God's going to resurrect the body. He's not going to have any problem resurrecting it, even if it gets cremated. For example, suppose a person falls overboard on a on an ocean liner and gets eaten up by sharks and say his, so right. his body's eaten by ten different sharks is God going to have a problem resurrecting that body no because no. the body once the, the body's just a house for the spirit the spirit is what is important and what we're going to be judged upon is not our body but second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 does mention the body let's go to second Corinthians 5 verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And that's just simply saying, we're going to be judged based upon the things that we did while we were alive. But once we're dead, we're not going to be judged based upon anything that happens after we're dead, and the cremation occurs after we're dead. So what difference would it make? wouldn't make any difference to that person's soul's destiny at all. It doesn't appear to me from the Bible. Anything okay. else, Paul? No, I appreciate it. You, uh, you're you saying the same thing that two other pastors told, told us. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted to fill at ease with it. Um, we have to, we so. do have to follow the Bible for sure. And if the Bible said, if the Bible taught that every dead person needed to be buried and not cremated, then I would certainly say that. But I can't find justification for that in the Bible. We see that Saul's okay. body was cremated. We see from all the passages in the Bible, 
Uh, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord, Revelation fourteen thirteen. that you're going to be judged based upon whether or not you trust and obey God while you're alive. It doesn't have anything to do with after you're dead. And God will have no problem resurrecting your body no matter what happens to it. Okay? Paul, thank you for your call. Okay. If, if there's another Bible question or comment, be sure and give us a call, 877-655-6755. As I said earlier, the lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. We've been talking about false teachers, and we simply definition of a false teacher, somebody teaches something that's false. Here we're talking about religiously here. And we saw from 2 Peter 2, 1, there's such a thing as a false teacher. And we've shown an example of what the Bible says about homosexuality. We've shown two different churches that say it's okay to be a homosexual where they're a false teacher. One more passage condemning homosexuality. 1 Corinthians 10, 6, 9-11 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So here's a, one of the four or five places in the New Testament where you have a list of sins. It says that people that practice such, if they don't repent, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says that uh, twice, they won't be saved. And on that list, homosexuals and sodomites. So any religious teacher that teaches that it's okay to be gay, that gay marriage is okay, that it's okay to be a homosexual and be a preacher, they're just a false teacher. And they're going to bring upon themselves, according to that Second Peter 2, 1, bring upon themselves and anybody that follows them, swift destruction. Matthew fifteen fourteen, Jesus teaches by analogy. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. The blind leader here, you have two men walking through a pasture, both are blind, they come up on a ditch, what's likely to happen? They're going to fall in that ditch because one of them, neither one of them can see. The, false, the blind leader represents the false teacher. The blind follower represents us. If we allow ourselves to be led astray by that false teacher, the ditch represents the bad place being lost. So it's not just the false teacher that's going to be lost. We're going to be lost too if we allow him to lead us astray. That's why it's, the Bereans are so highly complimented in Acts 17 verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received with the word with all readiness in mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so. They didn't just accept what Paul and Silas were preaching without question. They searched the scriptures to see if what is being said was so. They were making sure they weren't being led astray by a false teacher. You should do that with this program. You should do that with any time somebody's teaching the Bible. At church, TV, radio, one-on-one -on -one Bible study, make sure they're proven what they say by book, chapter, and verse. That's how you ensure that you're not led astray by a false teacher and end up in the ditch just like them, end up being lost just like them. You know, another example of a false teacher is one who goes along with adulterous marriages. We've been talking about preachers who go along with gay marriages. What about adulterous marriages? Well, what's an adulterous marriage? Let's read Matthew 19, 9, and we'll find out. Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. I've been married to Carol happily for 32 years. What if I divorce her? And it's not, and she hadn't cheated on me. It's not for fornication. Let's just say it's for incompatibility. 
This says if I divorce her for any reason other than fornication and remarry, I commit adultery. So if I divorce Carol for incompatibility and marry Betty, Jesus calls that marriage adultery. Now, if I'm in this adulterous marriage, what would I have to do? Well, you can't just say you're sorry for a sin and expect God to forgive you if you're not planning on repenting of the sin, if you're not planning on changing. That's not true repentance. When two gay men are married and one of them repents, what's he got to do to be forgiven by God? His repentance would mean he's got to get out of that marriage, terminate that gay marriage. He can't just say to God, I'm sorry, and continue to plan on sleeping with that person. Same way with an adulterous marriage. He can't just say, I'm sorry, and plan on continuing to commit adultery with that partner he has no right to. So you have to terminate that marriage and seek reconciliation with your original spouse. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Eva from Arizona, go ahead with your Bible question hey. or comment, please. Um, I, well, I was telling whoever I was talking to that I've been with the Church of Christ for many years, since I was a young adult. And I ended up married to a man who had never been associated with the church. And uh, friend, through friends of ours, he got involved with a church 50 miles away. And, of course, we've been going back and forth there for five years. Well, I know I don't, I don't, some of the, most of the stuff I don't disagree with that, that's taught at this church. I believe it to be the truth, but I don't want to be there. And... I've gone back to my church in our hometown because he has not found a church that we can both go to in our hometown. And he says that's wrong, that I need to follow him, that I need to go to that church and not the church that I was basically brought up in. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to hear your opinion on that. Well, it just depends. If this church that he's trying to take you is unscriptural, then you shouldn't be there. Second John, verses 9 through 11. Let me read that for you, if you don't mind, Eva. It says, okay. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. So is this church you're talking about that's 50 miles away? Is it abiding in the teaching of Christ? Yes. Well, then I don't see any problem with you going with him there. Why don't you want to go with him there if uh, if, uh, if it's abiding in the teaching of Christ? Because I prefer to go to my own church. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and I have to... I, work, I Normally we work on Sunday. So I have to get up to go to be to church on time, Sunday school on time. I've got to get up at 6 o'clock. I've got to go... And I don't, you know, get ready, go to church, drive the 50 yeah. miles, so on and so forth, come back, drive another 50 miles home, go to work. Eva, this is not the, this is probably not a good question to answer on the, the radio program because there's no way I'm going to be able to, in a small amount of time, understand both sides of the story. You know, the oh, Bible right. does teach in Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. But... I would have to hear both sides of the story, and even if I did, I might not be able to make a very good judgment on it. I give you some passages to consider: Second John verse nine, Ephesians five, twenty-two and twenty-three. Perhaps you can, um, we can talk uh, sometime when the we're not on the radio air and talk further about okay. this in more detail. Thank you for your call, Eva. Thank you. Bye. Okay. 
Bart from New Jersey, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, hi, Pat from Alabama. <laughs> hey, Mr. Bart, how you doing? Good to talk to you again, friend. I'm good and to brother. talk to you, too, again, brother. Uh, I found the scripture we were looking for with uh, Saul. Okay, so that the, the last verse in the last verse in First Samuel is that right? Uh, Thirty-one, ten. Yeah. Yep. Did you get that out? Yeah, I finally yeah, I stumbled that, for a long time, but I finally got it. Last verse yeah, in First I must Samuel. Have yep. it. Yeah. Well, they said yep. uh, the article I'm reading said that the body was prop, the burning was probably for the sake of of cleansing the defilement they had received at the mutilation and. Uh, he was mutilated before they burned him. And the bones were carefully given a proper burial, and their rescuers fasted, fasted for seven days in order to get proper respect. So, Bart, thank um, you for your call, because I was struggling to find that verse. It's First uh, Samuel 31, 12 and 13. Thank you for that call, Bart. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Have a good evening. You too. If anybody has another Bible question or comment, give us a call. 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. 877-655-6755. So we're talking about adulterous marriages. That would be any marriage that's a violation of a passage like Matthew 19.9. Say, if I divorce my wife for any reason other than her cheating on me, remarry. Jesus calls that second marriage adulterous. I have a quote from, he's probably a liberal, he's, as far as I know, he's not even a Christian. Anthony Dunavant said in the Orange County, California Register, quote, Some conservative groups believe that divorced people who marry another spouse are living in sin. Well, of course, that's what we just read from Matthew 19.9. He says, however, the number of divorces in the United States has led most denominations away from that teaching. So he's saying that most denominations used to believe what Matthew 19.9 teaches, what Jesus said. But that was sort of easy to believe. When you go back 100 years ago, there was hardly any divorces at all, maybe one out of every 100 marriages. But now they say one out of every two marriages ends in divorce. So the number of divorces in the United States led most denominations away from the truth. <laughs> it's, not what, it's not doing a study of the Bible and finding out they're wrong. It's just the number of divorces kept increasing, so they just gave up on standing for the truth. I have a quote from a preacher named Ken Wilson. I th- believe he was the preacher for a large non-denominational church, and he was trying to justify how they used to stand against gay marriage, but now they stand in favor of it. He said, I have proposed a path for these pastors that allows them to embrace people who are gay, lesbian, and transgender and to accept them fully, welcome and wanted, into the company of Jesus. I wrote a letter to my congregation when I realized my views had changed and I needed to communicate the intense theological, biblical, pastoral, and spiritual process that I had been through to get to this new place. It began with a burr beneath the saddle of my conscience. Why was I willing to let so many divorced and remarried couples know that they are welcome and wanted, while refusing that same welcome to gay and lesbian couples? How could I say to the remarried couples, whose second marriage was clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture, you are welcome and wanted, while saying to the two mothers, lesbians, he's talking about, Raising their adopted child together, I love you, but I hate you. How did he justify then accepting gay marriage, their their change to accept gay marriage? He says, well, for years we've been accepting adulterous marriages, 
people in second marriages whose marriage was clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture. So if we've been accepting that, and that goes against Scripture, why can't we accept gay marriages? And that goes against Scripture. Mark six seventeen and 18, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, where he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. And so that's what needs to be done. If we find ourselves in an adulterous marriage, a marriage that goes against Matthew 19.9, it's not lawful for us to have her. We're going to have to terminate that marriage. We see that from Mark chapter 6. We have many false teachers out there that aren't willing to preach the truth against gay marriage and many more that aren't willing to preach the truth against adulterous marriages. They just say it's okay. Stay in whatever marriage you're in. But we know from a passage we read earlier in 2 John verse 9, if we don't abide in the teaching of Christ... We don't have God. We can't be saved. We have to abide in the teaching of Christ on everything. False teachers will cause us to be lost. If you want to have a free one-hour phone Bible study, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Thank you for-